Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. Accelerate, invigorate, and motivate. Those are the three words that officials at the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction rallied behind as they planned the inaugural AIM conference for district leaders and teachers across our state that was held earlier this month. On today's show, we will have with us DPI officials, as well as North Carolina State Superintendent Catherine Truitt, who will discuss their vision for the AIM conference, as well as a host of other top issues that are impacting public schools today. So I'm so pleased today to be joined by Superintendent Catherine Truitt and also Dr. Michael Marr, the Executive Director of the Office of Learning Recovery and Acceleration, both from the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction. Welcome. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Marianne. It's good to see you. Superintendent Truitt, I would love to start with you. I know we just completed the inaugural AIM conference, which brought together people from all over the state, I think over 90 school districts and many charter schools, and really having been there, what an amazing success. I wonder if you can talk just a little bit about why this conference was so important to you and the department. It was important for lots of reasons, not the least of which is that our teachers really don't have enough time to be together um, outside of the school day and to collaborate with each other and to find ways to lean on each other and get best practices. And we wanted to give school districts an opportunity to come together as teams um, and come to solve problems and come up with solutions. I'm curious to hear with the role you've taken on as the head of the Office of Learning Recovery and Acceleration, what are the top priorities you're identifying to ensure that we're engaging in innovative ways to serve our students? We've spent the last um, eight months, roughly, really getting a handle on the, the true impact of the pandemic. And as we know, it's been both. It is academic and it is social emotional, the, the health and well-being of children. We also have to think about the impact it's taken on teachers. Um, we're asking teachers to take on additional roles. You know, honestly, we ask teachers to teach in three different modes of instruction at one time, right? Live instruction, virtual instruction, hybrid instruction, all simultaneously. And so it has been quite a taxing 18 months for everyone who works in education. So what we've really tried to do is first build out a comprehensive model um, for research and evaluation. So how can we get a better sense of where students were pre-pandemic? And then where were they at the end of 2020? And we're doing some predictive work on that. And then we have some data for 2021. And our plan really is to continue to, to iterate over time. So building out a model of continuous improvement so that it's not really about one-shot intervention. It is about a sustained approach to, to kind of rebuilding and, and, and developing and you know fostering some resilience in both teachers and kids and and families. I know that part of this work and getting started certainly depended on the state budget, which was just recently passed. And that was the first new budget passed in, in a couple of years. And Superintendent Truitt, I wonder if you could just share a little bit about that. I mean, we know that the budget may not contain investments that some were hoping to see, but we also know that there were some promising initial steps in there. What are you encouraged by and what more do you hope for when it comes to investing in our schools? Yeah, that's right, Mary. And not, not everyone always gets what they want in, in the budget, uh, no matter who you are. I think it's important to highlight that this budget contains $1.5 billion in new recurring funding 
for K-12 public schools. Um, I'm really excited about the, the salary increases that we're seeing for, for teachers, retroactive step increases, um, the raise in minimum wage for our custodial staff, our bus drivers. Um, I, I think that the, there is acknowledgement of the toll that the pandemic took on the mental health of students indicated in this budget with the bonuses for school psychologists, as well as money to really get a pipeline going for school psychologists. Um, I, I'm really excited that this budget funds a new division at the Department of Public Instru Instruction dedicated to the development of com a computer science um, professional development for teachers across the state. So I, I think there were a lot of wins in this budget, budget for public education, and um, I'm glad that we have a budget. And are there any areas that you would like to mention that you're hoping for further investment in the coming years, um, knowing we'll have a short session next year, obviously, but we're always looking ahead. Well, I would love for us to get to a higher starting pay for teachers. I think that um, I, I would love to see starting pay for teachers climb to forty-two thousand um, dollars. I would um, love to see um, continued investments in pre-K. I think that it's 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 really important that we um, expand pre-K in in our rural areas and make sure that folks know what's available to them in that area. Um, and I'm I'm really excited about. Um, some future work that's coming around the way we compensate teachers, not just the amount, but the way in which we compensate teachers that is not necessarily simply tied to years of experience, but is also tied to competencies, um, to the amount of responsibility that, that they may opt into, um, ways that we can um, keep veteran teachers in the, in the classroom and uh, leverage their expertise um, to help perhaps um, uh, provide job embedded coaching for our younger teachers. Dr. Marr, I would love to circle back to the topic of learning recovery just for a moment. And as we look ahead to a reimagined future, and I appreciate how much you are honoring where we are right now, um, do you think that there are some curricular or pedagogical concepts that maybe shouldn't carry over, but then are there some others you're hoping to see? Yeah, so so um, one of the things I, I, I tend to think a lot about, right, certainly is within the budget, we saw that the state reserve of the America Rescue Plan funds were, were appropriated in that budget. And, and so it's important to remember that North Carolina received, you know, well, over $6 billion of federal aid. 90% of those funds went directly to districts. So the lion's share of the work is happening in local districts. The state reserve accounts for about 10% of those funds. And we've thought about those funds as being uh, somewhat of strategic investments. So how can we use the state reserve to really kind of investigate some practices that we think are going to be really meaningful? And so just a few quick examples. You know, we, we ran summer learning this past summer that was part of legislation. From that, we built out two programs for next summer. Um, one is, a, is a, um, a career accelerator, something we're really excited about. It provides an opportunity for students to earn workforce credentials, really getting, getting us on that path to, I know Superintendent Truett likes to say, preparing students for the post-secondary pathway of their choosing, 
right? So this is one of those ways that we can support students for whom workforce is the path of their choosing. Um, we're also building out a program called um, a Bridge Academy. And I think we're really focusing now on this idea of acceleration as a means to close gaps, right? And so historically, we've done a lot of remediation, but we're really focusing on this idea of let's put students on grade level and just remediate those pieces we need. So we're going to make a, a pretty important investment in competency-based education using a funding, a, a competency-based platform, which I think will really holds the potential for us to do some very interesting things in this state in, in terms of accelerating students, um, uh, in terms of, of linking it with other um, opportunities that kids have, right, to, to really get into those pathways that they choose, whether it be college or career. What gives you hope for our public schools in our state, Superintendent Truitt? There's a lot to be thankful for and hopeful about. We truly are working as a state, I believe, to turn challenges into opportunities. I think my biggest takeaway from the conference we just talked about was the idea that we, I think as a, as a state, those of us who work in education really recognize that our testing and accountability system does not serve students, it doesn't serve teachers, and it doesn't serve parents. And in order for us to make all these exciting changes we want to make on behalf of students, we really need to change the way we test and hold schools accountable. We need to do this in a way that matches um, what our students need to be able to do when they graduate from high school. And so in matching those skills and competencies that we know it are necessary for college as well as for um, what employers want. We need to make sure that we're doing that in our schools. And I'm really excited about all of the opportunities we have to change things for, for students and the appetite that we have to make all of those changes. Well, thank you both so much. I guarantee you we will want you to come back and dig into some of these topics a bit more. You both mentioned several areas that will be important to our viewers, but thank you so much for being here with us today. We'll be back after the break. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. I'm so pleased to be joined by Julie Pittman, Edu educator Engagement Special Advisor at the Department of Public Instruction, and Dr. Robert Taylor, Deputy State Superintendent at DPI. Welcome to both of you. Thank Glad you so much here. for having us. Glad to be here. Julie, congratulations on all your hard work and visioning and planning the inaugural AIM conference. We've had a chance to talk a little bit about it on the show today. I wonder if you could tell us what you believe were the most successful and important components and some of the themes you heard from educators. Well, first, let me say that it was not my conference. Um, I was blessed to be a part of an incredible team that was um, co-led by my good friend and colleague, Jill Darrow, out of the Digital Teaching and Learning Office, um, several other people across the agency to really make this conference a reality. People were just excited to be together and to be able to 
talk about something other than masks, um, to be able to talk about education, about moving us forward, about what a strategic plan looks like and how can we really lock arms with each other and make North Carolina the best place to teach and to learn, especially coming out of the pandemic. I think we've never had a time in, in my life in education than we do right now on really looking at what education and what schools and teachers are doing to care and nurture for the whole child and what that actually means and that it actually starts with the relationship between a teacher and a student. Uh, I think we saw lots of um, excitement around getting to know our new state superintendent who's not new anymore, right? She's um, been in the office almost a full year, but also the team that she's pulled together and then old friends. I can't tell you how many people who were at the conference who said, I feel like this is a homecoming. I haven't been able to see my friends from across the state in almost two years. Um, I, I just think it was an incredible way for the state to celebrate education and educators at every level and what we're doing for students. What an incredible time that we had, and I'm just really excited to be a part of it. Yes, and we love being a part of it too. So thank you for allowing the public school forum to engage as well. And Robert, I'd love to turn to you because you came to DPI this past year as well, and having been the superintendent for Bladen County. And I know having known you in that role, that certainly gives you a clear understanding of the needs of our students, our educators, and our school leaders. So in this new role, will you tell us a little bit about how you're helping districts and education leaders get to a place where they can innovate in the face of a pandemic? I think the one thing that, that, that hopefully I bring to the department you know, is 10 years of experience in a school district, understanding um, uh, the barriers that you face, uh, uh, the needs of children that you have to meet. Uh, and so whether you're in a low wealth district, a high needs district, a district that's doing well, kids are gonna all have the same kind of unique needs. And that's uh, really what um, uh, districts are able to do or, or tasked to do. Uh, and so what I hope to bring to the department is the things that we can do to be more service oriented to school districts. Uh, when we look at the people that, that are part of the superintendent's team, uh, we have a wealth of knowledge in terms of uh, the needs of districts. Uh, and I think that's uniquely what we bring to the department. How is it that we can help serve those districts, have those conversations with them about their needs and the capacity that we can help them build uh, as a department? And so uh, I never really imagined that the experience that I amassed during those 10 years as a superintendent and eight years as an assistant would uh, um, help me in the position that I am in now where we can actually have those conversations with districts and talk about what those unique needs are. Uh, but it's just refreshing to be in that position, uh, to be a listening ear and knowing that I'm someone and others in the department are people that they can call because they have personal relationships with them. So, so we're excited about building this out. Julie, I'm sure you had some big aha moments at the conference, um, especially from fellow teachers. And I wonder if you could share some of those with us and maybe what you're hoping to see in terms of policy and practice in the coming months based on those moments. I think one of the biggest aha moments that I got from the conference and hearing from teachers and educators is that they were for the first time in their lives, and, and I heard this multiple times, for the first time in their public, um, public school career 
lives able to see themselves in the work. And I think it's really important because teachers oftentimes feel like education is something that's done to them. You know, students often feel like education is something that's done to them. I think probably principals and local superintendents probably also feel that. And, and, and when we have these groups that came together for this conference, they were able to not only provide feedback on things that the department is doing or on things that are around the system of education, but also provide input from their perspective where they can actually see themselves in the work and see themselves leading the work going forward. Teachers are so important and we're at a critical time where we're seeing so many vacancies in all levels of education across the state. And if we can really empower teachers to know that not only they feel like they have a voice, but that their voice is heard, listened to, and then utilized as we move forward and make policy and create practices that are great. I think we're gonna build a greater recruitment and retention tool for our teachers. Robert, I know that you have heard for months and months and years, quite frankly, the pressing issues that um, education leaders are facing. And we wanna make sure that our viewers get a glimpse into that in terms of what um, you're seeing. So what do you think those biggest issues are right now? I know you and Julia both mentioned a few already. Well, I, I think the two things now uh, are, are dealing with equity issues in terms of making sure uh, that all districts have what they need to educate children. So that's been a big part of, of what the pandemic has brought out. Uh, when we now begin to see that if children are not in schools, there are serious equity issues uh, that we knew were in place but we didn't know how bad they were in place. And so if there's anything that has come out of this pandemic that will make us look and view things differently, that's one of those. Uh, how do we leverage that? How do we make sure that every child in every district has what they need in order to get a quality education? So that's key. But I think uh, the biggest issue that we have now, and this was uh, absolutely what I had heard at the conference and was able to facilitate a session on this, it's about um, um, the teacher pool or, or, or the number of teachers that we have available in the profession. This is super critical. Um, uh, I'm proud to say that I've been talking about this for the past eight or nine years. And so what came out of this conference is the fact that teachers are leaving the profession in droves. Uh, schools of education are not putting people out um, uh, to go into these positions. Uh, and we don't have people uh, going into the profession. This was a huge thing uh, that was talked about at the conference. We all see this as a major issue. The one thing I think uh, that, that uh, uh, attendees at the conference recognize is that this is actually uh, absolutely the greatest generation of teachers. When they have every reason to leave the profession, they've stayed, uh, and that's gonna be critical. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, and I'll end with this, that I had a teacher uh, or an administrator come to me the next day and said to me, uh, you know, Dr. Taylor, the session that you moderated made me think long and hard about how we need to motivate people and, and get them to understand why they're in this profession and that even though things are tough right now, it's the kind of support that we give to motivate teachers to stay in during the tough part is what's important. And so that is what I see as the two big issues, equity and, and making sure we've got quality teachers. 
one of the main focuses that was sort of underlying outside of really focusing on the superintendent's uh, operation players and the state board strategic plan is this this critical idea of teacher recruitment and retention. But, but a real focus too is on uh, the the um, EPFP, so the Ed Policy Fellows Program that the Public School Forum does. I think programs like that and then support programs like we had there do so much to change the way that veteran teachers see themselves and how they know that they can make it through those hard times because there's going to be um, the fruits of our labor at the end of this, right? We're going to make it to the harvest again if we can hang in there. So the AIM conference actually stands for Accelerate, Invigorate, and motivate with a real focus on educators from the classroom to the cafeteria, from the boardroom to the bus garage. We are all educators and we all need that acceleration, invigoration, and motivation to change the narrative and the profession of education in North Carolina. And I hope that's what people got out of this conference. You all have covered so much ground in only a few moments and I appreciate your work so much and your deep care for kids and educators and our administrators. So thank you both for being here. And after the break, this week's final word. As you heard today from state education leaders at the Department of Public Instruction, North Carolina's system of public education plays an incredibly important role in our lives every day. If you benefited from public schools, have children in public schools, believe that public schools are critical for our democracy, and want our children to graduate prepared for college or career, then the effectiveness of public education in North Carolina affects you. We frequently share the great lengths to which our educators, administrators, and communities are going through to make sure that their schools and kids have what they need to be successful. Despite the social, emotional, and academic needs and inequities that have been exacerbated by the pandemic and the resource challenges we know that educators face, we see everyone in our school communities come together every day to address unfinished learning and identify innovative ways to succeed during these challenging times. However, we also know that there are other realities our school communities are facing that we must address. Many schools today are operating without enough bus drivers, cafeteria workers, school psychologists, or teachers. Many of our educators are spending their own money to provide school supplies for their classes. There are countless other needs that our schools are grappling with every day without the resources they need. While all of us work together to use every resource available that can ensure student success, in North Carolina and in many places across the country, we must acknowledge that these fundamental gaps and resources that we face have been brought on by years of chronic disinvestment in our public schools. The crises we are seeing in our schools today were avoidable and they will only grow unless we begin to make the necessary investments identified in the Leandro Comprehensive Remedial Plan. Investments in teachers, principals, early childhood education, post-secondary pathways, student support personnel, and finance and accountability systems that support student academic, social, and emotional learning. We are pleased that we have a budget a budget that has been passed, and it certainly does begin to invest in some of these areas, but we know that we must go further. With this in mind, our state legislature has the opportunity and responsibility to fund our public schools so that every child in North Carolina has access to a sound basic education. This matters for the students and their families, but also for communities and our economy. 
We already have many unfilled jobs in a variety of industries that require post-secondary degrees or certifications, and investing in public education is critical to ensuring that these positions can be filled so that businesses can thrive. If you, your children or grandchildren, or your community has benefited from public education, or if you believe that a strong public education is a bedrock of our democracy and economy, the time is now to share with your elected leaders what public education means to you, and that our state must have robust investments today to support its long-term success going forward. When we elect people to serve, they represent our interests and act on our behalf. Investing in public education benefits us all. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.